Hi, this is Roy Jones with Man Talk Radio Podcast. Our mission is to break down the walls of race and denomination. Your chosen Truth Radio broadcast will be starting in just a few seconds. Thank you. This is the Truth Network. Coming to you from an entrenched barricade deep in the heart of Central North Carolina. Masculine Journey After Hours. A time to go deeper and be more transparent on the topic covered on this week's broadcast. So sit back and join us on this adventure. The Masculine Journey After Hours starts here, now. Welcome to Masculine Journey After Hours. And I'm excited about this topic and about the guest we have on with us on the air. And we'll get to the guest here in a second. But the topic we're talking about today is uh, what does it feel like to be at home with God, right? If our goal is to be at home with God, and we're not talking eventually. I mean, eventually that's where we all want to be, right? Heaven, heaven here on earth, you know, whatever your theology is on that, but it's time with God, right? Either way, and I'm not going to debate which is what or whatever, but time with God is what we're all after, right? And to be home with him, and, and it's available to us now in great chunks, and sometimes we lose sight of that. And so what does it mean to be home with God, mainly now in our everyday life? What has God shown you as you've kind of come back to him from our, our prodigal ways, as we, we head out and do life on our own or try to live light, life outside of God, which doesn't ever work, you know, and we find ourselves back at God's door saying, oh, okay, Father, <laughs> need some help here. And so we're going to continue that topic here in a second with Rodney in, in his clip. But first, we have uh, Mitch Davis on the, on the line. And Mitch, you're with Mission Uprising in Indiana and North Carolina. And you have a, a great event coming up here in just a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. And thanks a lot for inviting me in to join you guys today. Um, yeah, we have our father-son camp coming up on March 1st through the 3rd at Camp Harrison down in Boomer. There's a YMCA camp down there, not too far from you guys. And um, yeah, it's our first father-son camp down there, but our 19th year of doing it in Indiana where we started um, in 2004. And um, but did that first boot camp in 2000, or first uh, father-son camp in 2005. We also do a father-daughter camp down there um, in September. But yeah, love to have people join us if they want to. I know it's coming up soon. But if they go on our website at missionuprising.com, um, they can check this out and see uh, see if it's something they're interested in. Yeah, or if they happen to miss the one in March, they could come up to the one in Indiana. It's only about a nine-hour drive from where we are right here in the triad. And we so, do have guys come up from the Carolinas for father-son <laughs> camp in Indiana. And so, yeah, um, that's in May. So May 1st through the 3rd, we have our Indiana father-son camp. So, yeah, love to have people up there. And then um, we actually have our Carolina well coming up uh, April 18th through the 21st, which is our kind of like a captivating retreat we've been doing down there for a number of years as well. And that's also at Camp Harrison. Yeah. And that, that's a, an amazing women's event and, uh, just speaks volumes to, uh, their relationship with the father and, and, uh, getting chunks of their heart back and, uh, and moving in, in deeper intimacy with him. And so that, that's a great event. So, so men, if you're out there, ladies, if you're out there listening and you want to know more about that, you go to missionuprising.com. You get information there, and you can reach out to Mitch from there if you need to talk to him or ask him some more questions on that. And uh, uh, we'll come back and ask you a little bit more here in a second, Mitch. But, uh, Rodney, you have a clip. You have the first clip of the uh, this show. So congratulations. You made it to number one. Woohoo! <laughs> oh, boy. Applause. Where's the... Come on, fill it in with some applause or something. I, I, I don't know how to work the board. Oh, come yeah. on. Sam, yeah. you're letting me down. 
Well, Smooth. you based this. There we go, Andy. <laughs> Yay. Thank you, Rodney. You're the man. All right, so you based this on Psalm 23, 6. Yes. And that is, Surely goodness and loving kindness will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of Yahweh forever. <clears throat> Excuse me, it always happens. Yeah, you God, won't have we, that in heaven. We so don't get, I know. We, don't get, <laughs> we, we, want, we want our water. I know. But I landed the same place you did. I, I went back and I read over that and I started you know, studying a little bit on that. And I was like, security. I'm like, it's, it's a definite, it's a final, it's complete, it's done, it's finished. And that's kind of where I went and reminded me some other scripture. But I was late in finding something. So I'm, I'm searching for something that would portray security. And I really couldn't find it, but I'm like, promise. So I went to that and I ran across David's clip that I'm like, I started listening to the clip. I'm like, hey, we just had this on a few days ago or what I should say, shows ago. A few shows ago. And I, w- I went and searched and found I'm like, yeah, well, I don't care. I'm going to do it again. And then I found out from Dave. He's like, well, we never actually had the chance to play it. He had it. We listened to it because we prepped, you know, say what everybody's clips was. But this is We Were Soldiers. And it's the speech before they actually go off into war. Yeah. And it actually has a little bit of Psalm 23 in it, the beginning portion, not this later portion. And it just talks about the promise that he's making. And God's promise to us is that he will never leave us nor forsake us. We're going to dwell in his house forever. It's, it's finished. And that just gives me a lot of comfort and gives me rest in him when I allow it to be. Because <laughs> a lot of times I fight that. And like we were talking about, I want to take control of my own life. I want to do it my way, God. And I do screw up like that. But that's where I really like this because he's making a promise to him. And any earthly promise that we make in something like this, I mean, we're striving to make a promise like God makes and can keep it. But we can't quite come through. So why don't we just take a listen? In the 7th Cavalry, we got a captain from the Ukraine. Another from Puerto Rico. We've got Japanese, Chinese, Blacks, Hispanics, Cherokee Indians, Jews and Gentiles, all Americans. Now here in the States, some men in this unit may experience discrimination because of race or creed. But for you and me now, all that is gone. We're moving into the valley of the shadow of death, where you will watch the back of the man next to you as he will watch yours. And you won't care what color he is, or by what name he calls God. They say we're leaving home. We're going to what home was always supposed to be. So let us understand the situation. We are going into battle against a tough and determined enemy. I can't promise you that I will bring you all home alive. But this, I swear, before you and before Almighty God, that when we go into battle, 
I will be the first to set foot on the field, and I will be the last to step off, and I will leave no one behind. Dead or alive. And what I love thinking about is also like the promises, right? Like Paul reminds us in Galatians when he says, you know, the promise is what was made, and that's where we have faith. It's not by law, but it's by faith that he made to Abraham, and Abraham was considered righteous, you know, for having the faith. And then I love getting into Romans, you know, for he foreknew and also predestined. So this is Romans eight twenty nine and 30. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those who he justified, he also glorified. So it's it's finished. It's complete. It's that language isn't something that oh he's going to do or something's causing it. It's no God said it. It is final. It is there. And it just gives me the strength to go and walk with him and have the discussions with him and be able to soak in his word and believe in it and not just. So many times I want to go off on my own, and I have to remind myself that <clears throat> I am not someone who has any power to make really anything happen without God. And when you start to get back to that point where you can trust in Him, and when things are sideways, and you just see, you know, depravity going around the, in the world that we see today, it's like I would have been just mad, throwing things, hitting things, doing whatever complaining to everybody, right? Just going around, oh, what's going on in this world? You know, I know he's got it. <laughs> I wouldn't do it this way because I would just, you know, blow everything up. I'd go back to the, you know, the flood. <laughs> I would just yeah. say, we're done. You, start you, raining. Yeah, you people, yeah. you people are done. I'm done with you. But he has just so much patience for us. And then also when they're crossing the Jordan, he talks about security in him. When, he, when they're going to cross, he's going to remove them from their enemies. And I just love that picture of, of them going in there, and he's going to set them free in the, his land that he has for them. And I just think that's a beautiful picture because when we go to heaven, we're going to be secure with him. And that's what I love when you said on the first show, we're, we're there now. It's the already but not yet, but we just can't really – live in that we kind of keep breaking away from and we can't just rest and be trusting all the time mm -hmm. we go in and out of trust all the time and i know for myself when i get out of trust at least it's a lot sooner that i realize it now and i don't go as far <laughs> so you know i i'm on a little tighter rope and he just kind of jerks that collar and i, yip, yip. And I <laughs> okay i'm coming dad i'm coming back and I, that's that's a good good you know, rebuke. It's one of those good things like, okay, you're doing it for me, Lord. Thank you, Rodney. Um, before we go on to the next person, David, I'm going to ask you some of your thoughts. But yeah, you know, this is part of the list. As we're talking on the first show, if you weren't listening to that, you can go back and listen to it. But our, our friend Todd did a talk on sonship, which we also do at our, our boot camps. But uh, he did it at the last boot camp that we were at, at the Dangerous Heart Boot Camp that Darren put on. And some of these were things that he was sharing as what it looks like to, to be at home with God. And some of them were things that God laid on my heart that I added along the way. And there's more that we'll talk about today, but I want to make sure we covered some of the list because we won't get to all these, you know, in just our stories as we go through the rest of the show. And, and there's so much more, but what does it look like to be at home with God? What does that really look like? 
It's to have no fear, to have no condemnation, no shame, to have constant affirmation, to always be loved, to always be protected, to always be safe and secure, and so much more. And just in that little list, right, just that little list, how many, I know for everybody in this room, that wasn't the story we grew up with. You know, parts of it were. Maybe we had the affirmation. Right? And, and this isn't saying your parents are horrible people. I'm not saying that at all. We had broken people raising us in a broken world. And, and of course, we're going to have these types of things that happen. And what we say over and over again, they were never intended to be everything that, God, that we were created to receive from God. Yeah. They were a, a, a reflection, I mean, a, a kind of a down payment on it. But we really need to go to him for all these things, for consistency, stability, even though the best father is not is going to give you some of those things, it's not going to be to the level of consistency that God does. Right. And if this isn't what living with the, the father looks like, you know, eventually and every day up until then in, in small degrees, then why do our hearts, hearts long for it so much? Right. Is there any one of those that your heart just doesn't go, man, I want that. Mm. I, want, I want a season of living in that. And man, just the thought of living the rest of my life in that, how cool would that be? Right? And, and so that, that's another thing to say. If we weren't really called to that, why would we all long for it? Right? Because God laid that in our foundation. We were made for heaven. We were made for eternal time with him. Right? We're just behind enemy lines at the moment. Yeah. Right? And we just lose sight of where we are sometimes, but that doesn't, that causes us at times to lose sight of who God is. Right? David, over to you. What are your thoughts on this um, being at home with the Father? Well, I think before we can really see us being at home with the Father, we have to really start to dig into um, some of those father wounds from our earthly fathers to be able to get healing and breakthrough from that, to be able to start, you know, actually coming home to the Father. I know for me, um, you know, I'm not going to share my whole story on on the air tonight. I have before, and and if you come to a boot camp, you've heard some of it. But um, for me, you know, it goes back to the sonship. I mean, God's placed people in my life to start to show me um, the things you just talked about, the affirmation and, and to father me through things. So the end game was for me to get back to him and start building that trust up with it. I mean, everybody uh, in this room in some sort of shape, way or fashion has fathered me in something and, and people in my life, like my uncle and Tom's my brother and, you know, Tom's my earthly father has too. I just spent the last, uh, this past weekend at home um, with my family, my, my entire family. <laughs> Uh, wasn't wasn't <laughs> anticipating that. I thought it was just going to be you know my wife, my daughter, and uh, my parents. But it was my whole family, and, and it, it was good. It had its ups and downs, and, and you know there were some, some things that came up and some things that didn't. But ultimately, um, you know, I ended up fixing some stuff around my dad's house. Didn't plan on it. Um, yes, I work in construction, but newly in construction, don't have any idea of what I'm doing. But that was something that God laid on my heart to do it. And as I was doing it, I could see that I was coming home to the father and I'm I was at home with my earthly father but I was coming home to the father and, and trying to show the father's love to my dad um, through me that's good thank you David mm -hmm. so Andy you actually have the next clip in the next segment of this yeah I'll try to make this quick but well, um, we got a little bit of time you okay. don't have to make it real quick I mean, All right. if you're going on I'll just look at you I'll stare at you <laughs> I start talking about the orphans alright well, let's get that. at it <clears throat> so it comes from the Patriot and the Patriot is more of a war movie and, and the context necessarily wasn't a war movie for this topic but man I see it in here this this idea of security and stability so you have Gabriel 
um, Benjamin Martin's son, who's older, wants to go off to war, wants to fight and battle, and his dad's already been there in the French and Indian War, doesn't want to see his son go and get into all that, but he does. And then he's missing, and they you can hear battle around the house that they're living in. This is Benjamin Martin's house. He has an intruder comes in. Well, it happens to be his son, Gabriel, who's hurt, and he actually holds his gun on him. You know, he thinks he's some uh, the enemy. But anyway, he sits there and he nurses his son back or tries to help with the healing process or whatever. And, you know, you could just see that fatherly love there. And the son spills his guts about what's going on in the war. I mean, what do we do? We come to God and spill our guts to him when we feel at home with him. We spill our guts about the war that we're in. And then um, the son, the the enemy comes up, um, Tavington, um, Colonel Tavington, I believe, he comes up and he's um, really, I mean, he's the enemy and he's trying to find this son. Actually, he's just trying to find in, anybody that's on the Patriot side. And uh, he, um, um, Tavington, calls him out. Essentially, it finds out that he's carrying this, he's like a messenger or whatever, and says he's going to be hung. And then you see the father step in and try to protect and keep his son away from that. What's not shown on here is the younger son gets killed right after this, and then this father, you get to really see him going after the rescue of the son. But this is all set up just to show where the son knows where to go back home to feel safety and security. Slowly turn. Father. Abigail! Abigail! Water is fast. Easy. Oh. the battle. Were you there? Have you seen any red coats? No, not yet. Abigail, the children, please. Children, come upstairs. Gates marched us straight at the red coats. Our lines broke. The British Green Dragoons cut us to bits. I was given these dispatches. As I left, I saw the Virginia regulars surrender. The Dragoons rode into them and killed them all. Over 200 men. I have to get these dispatches to Hillsborough. You're in no position to ride. I can't stay here. It's not safe for... Thank you for the care of His Majesty's soldiers. Lieutenant? Have a detachment take our wounded to our surgeons at Winsborough. Yes, sir. Fire the house and barns. Let it be known if you harbor the enemy, you will lose your head. By standing order of His Majesty King George, all slaves of the American colonies who fight for the crown will be granted their freedom without victory. Sir, we're not slaves. We work this land. Freed men. Well, then you're freed men who will have the opportunity and the privilege of fighting in the king's army, aren't you? Who carried this? I did, sir. I was wounded. These people gave me care. They have nothing to do with the dispatches. Take this one to Camden. Here's a spy. Hang him, put his body on display. He's a dispatch rider, and that's a marked case. Destroy the livestock. Save the horses for the dragoons. Colonel, this is a uniformed dispatch rider and carrying a marked case. He cannot be held as a spy. Well, we're not going to hold it. We're going to hang him. Colonel. Oh, I see. It's your son. See, as you can see there, Tavington discovers that that's his son. And, you know, that's even more of a 
reason for him to torment, like the enemy does. We can be at home with the Father, the enemy's not going away. Not the point of this topic, but, you know, I, I think just knowing that the Father is there, you know, my, my occurring, what I felt like was going on with my idea of, of God, the Father, was that Jesus loved me a lot, and God did too, but it was pretty much up to me. And, and as much as I knew the gospel and all, I think a lot of us live this way, we did not understand the availability of the Father, that he was there accessible that he was there for us. And to me, that was coming home for me. You guys have heard me say it at nausea. We, I've talked about the orphan spirit, didn't really realize I had it. It, it was way past nausea. Yeah, that's right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but then when I found the, the love of the Father, I really did find that place of being home. And I still struggle, obviously, with a lot of these things, finding security and fear and those things. But there's, there is a place, I believe, that that you can come to to where you experience all that you're supposed to be. It's so clear all through the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, talking about we are the sons of God. He gave us the right to have the power to become sons of God. Those are our giftings. These are those things that he hands to us, and we don't take out and, and accept them. We're like the orphan that says, no, no, I'm an orphan. I'm good. Mm-hmm. You know, and we they're all available to us, and we don't step in. But, man, it feels good whenever you do get, come home to the Father. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank at the moment, and I, I've heard it countless times in my life. But what is it that Eldridge talks about? That we yes we are in a, a world at war, but we're in the middle of a love story. How's yeah. that? Do you yeah. remember how that goes? That your your life is a love story set in the midst of a great battle. Thank right? you. That's yeah. how I was trying to remember it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah, so of course a lot of what we're going to talk about revolves around battle because that's our daily thing we live. It does, right? And, and when we lose sight of that and we live in the smaller story, yeah, <clears throat> then it really you know, amplifies things, but when we can have the right perspective and realize, okay, we are in a love story first and foremost, the battle's just raging around us yep. and we got to deal with it. Yep. Right. Yep, go ahead. So, Darren, you're up next with your clip. It really doesn't need a lot of setup. It's okay. it's uh, Dan Allender and John Lynch and... and uh, the other guy. William Young. <laughs> William, <laughs> William Young. Young from the yeah. shack. Bill. Old friend Bill. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. go for it. All right, here we go. All stories have a framework. You know, every human being is a story. The prodigal son story is you've got this beautiful emergence of the very being of God inside of our humanity. You've got God the Father, who is a father. And every one of us, male and female, are the sons. And what the Father does is to work, to open up a path so that they know the truth of their being. We are sons and we are to call him Abba, which means I'm a little boy. There's something in us that knows what it is like to desire to be so small and so protected by a great father. Most of us didn't have one. But the few who did really understand what it is to crawl up in his lap and to know that he beams over us. There is in all of us this innate capacity to believe and receive a really wonderful father. That uh, clip is, you know, obviously just true, but it 
really spoke to my heart and it's actually andy's clip he just um let me steal it so thank you andy you can come be an orphan spirit with me <laughs> yes. if you like. Um, more please sir yes <laughs> so anyway um you know what you guys know is john lynch had a huge impact on me i mean right. obviously eldridge and their ministry did as well um but growing up in a very legalistic background um Lynch really, really opened my eyes to this idea of grace and and the Father's grace for me. And so I'm only 58, and I like to say only now, but um, I'm only 58, but the, the older I get, I used to think about – I heard this story in seminary about this guy named Richard Baggett who was a professor, and he's – he got up every morning and he prayed over a globe every morning and he prayed for like two hours every morning for missionaries all over the world. And I thought to myself, I want to be like Richard Baggett. I, I want to get up and pray for two hours every morning. And about 10 minutes in, I was either, you know, thinking about what I had to do today or I was asleep, one of the two. And, and now in my life, I figured out how, what works for me. And I do get up pretty early in the morning, not as early as Robbie, but I mean, he's almost dead, so he, yeah. he doesn't need a lot of sleep. But um, the I get up usually around 4.30 or 5, and I will sit there with my laptop, and I will pray, and I'll journal, and I'll write prayers, and I'll journal scripture, and I'll do different things. But literally, when you know eight o'clock rolls around, I'm like, I don't want to start my day. You know, I'm still there, and I'm still just bathing in the Father's love. And I'm 58 years old. I still call my daddy, Daddy. Mm -hmm. I do. He's dead. But when I talk to my sisters or my family about him or any of my aunts and uncles, it's still Daddy. Right. Um, and so. I've learned to stop calling God Lord. Todd talked about that as well. And I think that might have come from a conversation he and I had a, a while back where I stopped it. But I now, I refer to him as dad or daddy most of the mm -hmm. time. Father every now and then. But that walking in that relationship knowing that he loves me just as much as my earthly dad way more in fact um is you know that's that's transformative for me now well thank you darren mitch real quick uh tell people how to reach and when the event's coming up yeah so they can call they can go to missionuprising.com so www.missionuprising.com they can call me at 317-339-0651 and March 1st through 3rd is uh, Father-Son Camp uh, oh, in the Carolinas. Down awesome. At, uh, yep. Camp. Awesome. Can't, can't wait, Mitch. I hope you have a great event. We have a, a boot camp coming up, advanced boot camp coming up April 4th through 7th, masculinejourney.org. Lesson by Well this week. This is the Truth Network.